Welcome to the One Life Podcast. I hope you are having a great week. On today's episode, I speak with my very good friend, Danielle Jorgensen, who is a TEDx speaker and type 1 diabetic. My favorite part of this entire episode is where DJ, I call it DJ, gives uh, practical advice and very easy actionable steps to implement for anyone currently in a diabetic funk. This is just a topic I am so passionate about. There's heaps of other little truth bombs throughout the whole episode. I think you're going to thoroughly enjoy it. So sit back with a cup of tea or go for a walk and enjoy today's episode. DJ, welcome back to the One Life podcast. I appreciate you being here so much. The reason you are back, girlfriend, was our podcast was the most downloaded podcast on the One Life podcast. And yeah, can I say podcast one more time? I'm. <laughs> How are you doing, girlfriend? I am fantastic. And I'm very happy to be back on your podcast. <laughs> Both uh, DJ, DJ and I just had a, a quick little chat before we started recording this and it's 10 30 uh here in australia and we're both just saying we need to do a cocktail hour podcast might not be quite family rated but we we definitely need to do a cocktail hour <laughs> so fun so dj for those who haven't listened to our other podcast could you please introduce yourself and let everybody know how long you've had type 1 diabetes Okay, so my name is Danielle. My nickname is DJ. I have had T1D for 20 years, 20 and a half years, actually. I'm into my 21st. I was diagnosed as an adult. So uh, I'm 51 and so I got uh, diabetes when I was 31 years old. In today's episode, we are going to talk about how it's okay to change as a person with type 1 diabetes and how type 1 diabetes constantly changes. So over the past 20 years of you living with type 1, you've been uh, you've mentioned to me that for a long time, just through our personal conversations, that you've never really accepted it. So getting to know you personally over the last year as a friend, I can see you are in a really happy place, but particularly in a great place with your diabetes. Um, Do you feel you have finally, I guess, accepted it? And if so, do you remember what was the moment or turning point for you? I feel that I have, yes, but I would make a distinction. I, I did definitely struggle for a really long time with being diabetic, having diabetes. I struggle because personally, I don't like labels. I don't like to be defined by anyone else or anything, which is a whole other, that's a whole other <laughs> podcast, that particular problem. But that posed a lot of challenges with T1D <laughs> as well, right? So, uh, I I am happier now, but my distinction is that I haven't accepted it. I've chosen the life that I want to live. That's a powerful statement. Yeah, yeah. It's not accepting to me is more 
being forced, having something forced upon me. And, and I know that it is forced upon us, like none of us obviously would choose this. However, I've, I'm not accepting to do what I'm prescribed to do or how this disease might dictate my life needs to be. I am choosing what I'm going to do and I'm choosing the life that I want to live, living a good life, not despite having T1D, but I'm choosing to live a great life because of who I am. So one big turning point for me was, and I, I remember it was such a, such a, just a really ordinary, banal thing. I was in a Pilates class run by my physiotherapist with full of only a couple of people, old people, same issues as me. <laughs> and we're in our Pilates class together and I'm the only woman in the class. So there's three guys around my age and me. And, you know, chitter-chatter through Pilates, you know, between gasping for breath. And we're talking about, the guys are talking about running marathons and getting ready to run a marathon and, you know, typical midlife crisis. Um, some listeners <laughs> will understand and others, I just need to let you know this is ahead of you. Um, and they, the guys are talking about how disciplined they are and how, right and how they get up and they do this and they're really giving me a hard time about how I could never do it and why don't I do it and you know you obviously don't have what it takes and so something just totally clicked for me and I thought to myself and then also did tell them actually you've got nothing on me with discipline you when you get up every day for 20 years test test your do everything that you need to do to keep yourself alive, then you come back to me and you talk to me about self-discipline. I'm sorry, but uh, no, 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 I've got more self-discipline than anyone I know except for all the other T1Ds in my life. And that really changed the way I thought about myself and my life and how I have already overcome so much. I have already done so much. I've actually, man, I'm an incredibly resilient person and I've got amazing resolve and I'm actually pretty tolerant as well. And, that, and I'd never viewed myself in that way. I only ever beat myself up over, can't get this right, can't get that right. And I'm like, actually, what I can get right is keeping myself alive. and that's pretty bloody amazing. Mm, love that. I absolutely love talking about the mental side of type one. I just don't think it hardly ever gets spoken about. And for the outside world looking in on a type one diabetic, they really would never understand what we go through on a day-to-day -day basis. So together, DJ, you and I have both had a huge epiphany that you can actually change as a person. So I would love to know what has shifted in your mind to allow yourself to embrace change with type 1 diabetes? Okay. <laughs> yes, this has been a really big shift for me. And one of the, one of the things was realising that you can change and you can become a different person. A lot of the times we, um, you know, there's a lot of sort of uh, things that we read and understand about life and that is that you're fixed. You are who you are. 
that's it, it's fixed. And I have realised that actually we're not. I, I can be different, I can change. I, actually, yes, I like that or I would like to go and do that or I am this different person. I definitely had a lot of help doing that. I One of the big turning points for me was seeing a health psychologist, which really helped. She really helped me realise that, um, yes, you are not fixed. You can change. So that was that was super helpful and I I just really recommend if people can access it in Australia if you're listening in Australia you can get your um, mental health care package so you can get that included in your in your Medicare so I would absolutely recommend doing it for sure yes yeah so this idea of 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 not being fixed and go and once you let go of that and the other <laughs> the other thing that she definitely helped me realize is that um your emotions emotions are not rational you actually don't have full control over your emotions they are separate from your rational mind and I would constantly judge myself on my emotions. I'm feeling really angry. I'm an angry person. I'm feeling really sad. I'm, I'm a sad, I'm feeling. And, and so it was understanding that, that there is that separation. So you, the way you're feeling emotionally is not who you are. I 100% agree. It's a very powerful learning what you've just said because I think we can box ourselves into our emotions. So, you know, yeah, like you said, you know, you get a um, high sugar level reading and then you become quite angry about it and then you feel like you're an angry person. So you're defining yourself through these emotions and that's not true. I guess it's just a moment in time. Like, can you explain on this a bit further, like, what actions or do you have any practical tips on how someone can overcome that moment of emotion where they feel like they've, I guess, boxed themselves in? Yes, I can. I uh, I learned a lot of I learned a lot about actually acceptance commitment therapy and uh, again <laughs> that's a whole other podcast but one thing I did learn to do um, I was taught to do was to understand how I was feeling in the moment so and also so exercises to help me feel my emotion so say for example part of ACT is going okay what are you feeling where are you feeling it in your body can you describe it what color is it what shape is it what temperature is it and you you visualize that emotion basically passing through your body and I added to that lots of other exercises like body scans calm breathing to help me calm my physical symptoms of my emotion and stress which resulted in helping let go of that emotion and this has resulted in an interesting new feeling for me I I feel vulnerable having these emotions and understanding that I have these emotions and they're not they're out of 
my control. I mean, your emotions are not in your control. So I feel vulnerable, yet I now feel incredibly Mm. powerful over myself at the same time. So DJ, could you explain an actual technique that you use? Do you use like a meditation app or a breathing technique what have you been taught to get yourself out of that moment of a negative feeling yes I've been taught a couple of interesting techniques actually and one of them which is very accessible to everybody is to use a uh, body scan technique so I've downloaded an app which is free it's called Insight Timer and on Insight Timer there's all kinds of different meditations and you know book reading and all sorts of things and I look for body scan and so I found these body scans and you have to you know like you you have to find something that works for you I have to find someone's voice that works for me so I don't feel um you know like I'm going to go to sleep or I want to punch them so it has to work for you so I found these these body scan exercises and a body scan is where you basically it's like a a full body relaxation so it's it's thinking about your your body parts from your toes all the way up to your head and this this these little exercises walk you through that and help you do it so it's that lying down and calming and I I have them I have a three minute one a six minute one a 15 minute one and a 30 minute one so I can do it if I am in a work situation and something has <laughs> really agitated me or if if I'm if I don't have a lot of time, or if I'm going to present and I'm feeling especially nervous, or any range of things, you can you can fit it in 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 whatever time that you have, and that's something that has really worked for me is when you calm the physical feelings of stress. So it's the heavy breathing, the racing heart, maybe the shaking. Um, then that also helps calm the actual feeling as well. So that really, really works for me. And I, I can sometimes do it to help me sleep as well. The advantage for me when I can get uh, in control of my negative emotions is I find my sugar levels stabilise, meaning I have found when I'm in a stressful situation, my cortisol levels rise and I instantly see a pump of sugar sugars my sugars rising so yeah I have never actually been taught to use an app like that and I'll definitely look into that and start training myself because let's be honest no one's day is always happy and joyful (laughs) we live in so we live in a world I call it contrast so sometimes life will throw us to the bottom and that is to help teach us what we really want in life but while we're at the bottom we yeah experience negative emotions and as type 1 diabetics it's not always the best because it can send our sugar levels on a roller coaster so using a technique like you've just suggested I think brings a lot of value so thank you so much for that insight and recommendation You're welcome. I totally agree with you. It's super complex for us because you have, if if your BGLs are high, for example, you do have irritability and 
you know, anger or, or, or feeling super irritated as a result of your high BGLs, as well as the emotional overlay of feeling, why can't I manage it? Why is it high? I'm so angry about this. So you've got both and it's, it's very challenging. But one of the things that I realized for myself was that if I, a big key to it was to change the way I felt about my BGL levels, whether they are high or low, in range, out of range, it was step one, give myself a break, try and address the way I'm overall feeling about it. And then, so that's my little, my little routine now, my little also action plan, because I'm big in actions. I, I understand talking about it and, and people talking about their experience, but then I think, okay, so what do I do? What, what's a, what's a step? What can I do? So I've got like a little three-step process now. You know, like if I do, for example, wake up and (laughs) PGLs are high or whatever, I, the first thing I do is I give myself a break. That, that's step one. Mm -hmm. Uh, the second thing I do is act. Step two, act. Dose. Dose or take glucose, whatever that that medical, shall we call it, step needs to be. Mm -hmm. And then step three is, I'll call it self-care, but not maybe self-care in the way our listeners think of self-care. That's my step three. How am I going to recover? How am I going to make myself feel okay about this to set me up for the rest of the day Mm -hmm. yeah I like that actually self-care is just such a hot topic right now you always (laughs) see everyone self-care self-care I guess yeah self-care you know you obviously for me I would automatically assume we'll go get a facial or a massage or have a bath but that's not always practical because it can involve money or a lot of time so do you have any little self-care examples that are kind of quick and on the run that you do for yourself? I do. I do. I will. (laughs) Here's one I've prepared earlier. Mel, I think of self-care in, in, in a little bit of a different, a different way. I, uh, I think of self-care in what you need to do to make yourself okay, better, get on with life, feel purposeful, do what you need to do. So self-care to me is about get on your own team. Get on your own team and then get some teammates if you need to. And so I do have things that I do, but I wanted to tell you, first of all, how I how I discovered what, what would work for me in self-care, if that's okay with you. Of course. Okay, so one of the things that I did was I did a a, a, car- a strength a personal strengths profile. Now there's all kinds of ways that you can do personal strength profiles. There's all sorts of little little websites and things, and I can um, I can certainly share some of those with you, Mel, for you to to put on your uh, on your site for for listeners. But I found out, I did the exercise of finding out what my what my signature strengths are. And so signature strengths are important because, uh, well, I've, I've been, I've discovered how important they are because applying your character strengths can help you improve your life. 
and it helps you thrive and your signature character strengths help you manage problems and stress and they're connected with resilience they help you recover self soothe feel better because you're you're doing something that you know feeds you helps your confidence helps you become happy so for example my a couple of my signature strengths right so one of my signature strengths is appreciation of beauty and excellence right so this is noticing and appreciating beauty from nature to everyday experience so what I do for self-care is I go for a bushwalk, I go and sit in a park, I will, if I don't have the time to do that, I go and sit in the backyard under a lovely tree, I look up in the sky and I listen to the birds and I know that that does connect me with myself and makes me feel better and feeds me, feeds my soul, makes me feel happy. Another one of my signature strengths is humour. So I will find the humour in a situation. I'll make a joke about it. I'll call a friend and have a laugh. I will watch something funny. I'll, I've got some comedians that I like. I watch some clips. I watch some YouTube stand-up. I do something that brings a smile to my face or I or do something that brings a smile to someone else's face. So they're the things that I have now learned to do that make me feel good. And that's what I call self-care. Absolutely. That's exactly right. So I'll definitely get the name of that quiz, I guess, and put it in the show notes because I would be very interested in doing that. I know for me, when I'm just thrown in a really tough situation, I guess to pull myself out of that negative state, for me, I just love listening to really high vibe music. It's just, yeah, I turn on my speakers, my poor neighbours, they can hear me thumping down my <laughs> street, <laughs> shaking their head, got my bass on loud. Fantastic. <laughs> It's a pow- Yeah, it's a powerful thing to know that, okay, right now, just put some good music on it, just changes the state. And actually something really interesting that I found out uh, probably about a month ago, I don't know if you've heard of this, DJ, but apparently as humans, we cannot think of a positive thought and a negative thought at the same time. You can only think one thought. <laughs> Wow. Um, okay. So yeah, have a go. Think about like think of something really negative and then think of something really positive. That negative goes out of your mind <laughs> straight away. Um, and for me, hearing or learning about that, I do everything that I can to just go, all right, high vibe, exactly what you've done. You've gone and sit in the backyard and you feed your soul by looking at nature. For me, I just love turning on some really high vibe music and just trying to relish in the positivity around me that feeds my soul. And yeah, I think a takeaway that I've got out of speaking with you about that is back to gratitude. Gratitude for me, you know, I've been very open about my whole diabetes journey in the first 19 years, just living in complete denial. But when I think understanding gratitude it just sounds so corny if you're not in that place 
right now of well, when you're just so low. Like if I had probably listened to this podcast when I was at my lowest, I'd probably roll my yes. eyes, I'm going to be honest. But um, I do just feel like I have to speak about it because it's just it really was life-changing, just gratitude. Like I'm gratitude, so grateful for your friendship. I'm grateful for insulin. <laughs> I'm grateful for yours. You know? can, I give you a little, can I give you a little alternative to gratitude? Because I absolutely can identify with people who are rolling their eyes about gratitude um, yes. because I was one of those people. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> most yeah. definitely i found i found gratitude really challenging i felt that it was trite i felt that mm. i'm like you know hashtag blessed i'm sorry yes. but no yes. i'm not going to <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm i'm too cynical for that <laughs> and yes. also yeah. i felt it was right and i felt it was pay, paying lip service it's like oh i can say i'm grateful for my family and i'm grateful for this and yeah 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 whatever but am i really it doesn't change the way i feel so one exercise a little trick that i was introduced to uh thank you to my health psychologist i she got me to do an exercise uh because i made my feelings about gratitude very clear so i got a little notebook and this i love notebooks so i bought myself a lovely lovely notebook that I really liked that I would find pleasure in writing and at the end of each day I wrote down three things that happened that day that I enjoyed or it was a good thing that happened or uh, yeah basically write down three good things that happened and so I started I thought okay I can do that 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 that's what I can do. So I would write down things like, say, for example, today would be I spoke to Mel and I had a great conversation and I felt really energised and, and great after talking to her. I went down to my local coffee shop and the, the young women there who served me were smiling. They were happy to see me. That made me feel really nice. And, oh, my goodness, I had one of the best coffees. It was just the perfect temperature and it was, it was delicious. So I started to write those things down to make me see and feel joy in some parts of my day. And that also, then when I would reflect on it after a week or two weeks, three weeks, I would see commonalities across across the things, right? So say, for example, uh, you know, I would see a common thing would be rang Mel today, had a great laugh, spoke to such and such, had a great laugh. And I was like, okay, so here's some common things. Talking to people, having a laugh, going outside, whatever it might be. But then it helps you get an idea of the things that, bring you joy and make you feel good and that that worked for me as as a form of gratitude that I could sort of find a bit more uh practical and a bit applicable to my life I love that yeah look yeah I would um yeah as I said if I had listened to this podcast you know as I first started talking and I was five years ago I'd just yeah roll my eyes but that's very practical ways of doing it 
And I tell you, DJ, there is something super powerful about writing it down. It's one thing to think it. I know that it seems like there's already so much to do in our everyday life living with type 1 diabetes, but I also love writing down exactly what you've said, three things that I made me happy for the day. I guess, yeah, when you say gratitude, it can just sound super corny, but just three things that made me happy. And then it actually starts getting uh, put in your focus. So then next week, say you're having just an off day again, but you get into this habit of writing three things that made you happy for the day. Next week, you become extra grateful for that perfectly bought store coffee that was at the right temperature. (laughs) But you would not normally be in your self-conscious. It would not be real. You just sort of drink it. Oh, okay, that's great. But uh, just more and more good stuff starts to happen to you when you write down three things that made you happy for the day. It becomes in your awareness is what I'm trying to say. Yes. It does. And you realize that happiness is not, um, (laughs) I wake up and go, yes. Oh, life happy. Happiness is, can, can be small moments of joy or something good or something that makes you feel deeply. That is what it is. That day to day version of it. Absolutely. So DJ, you and I, as we know, we could talk all day. I do have one last question. We could. Question. <laughs> yes. Um, I have one last question because I think this you, you've got so much great insight to living with type 1. I think this will bring, I just know your answer will bring a lot of value to the type 1 community. So do you have any advice for a type 1 diabetic whose sugars are out of control they are waking up high and they're just feeling really overwhelmed by life and the day ahead. What advice would you give them where they just feel like they're just in a really, really bad place, a bad, they're in a bad rut and they feel like they can't get out of it? Okay. Yes, I can identify with this. You can identify with this. Everybody who's listening can. So for me, my what what worked for me was to I I stopped viewing it as the a giant problem of being healthy or managing my health with T1D or fixing everything. And I broke it down to what is the next best thing I can do. What is the the so instead of looking at oh, I'll never manage it, I'm so unwell, I'm so healthy, I'm going to die young, it's all doom and gloom. What is the next best thing you can do? And this is why I I determined my little three-point action plan that works for me and I, I follow it. I've written it down and, and I follow it. So step one. So step one for me is give yourself a break. Step two dose or medically medically treat yourself and step three is how you're going to sort of practice that self-care so have work out what your own little action plan is going to be and it's not an action plan for how you're going to get an HbA1c of 5.5 <laughs> it is an action plan of what is the first small step 
I can take small, small steps, right? So that that is that is my my tip is it's is start looking at it, scale it all the way down. You know what you have to do? You have to get through today. That is it. And that actually applies to everyone, even if you don't have T1D. Mm. My job is to just get through today. And so here's the first first small thing I need to do. And that as I build on those small things, I feel better and it builds my confidence because I, I am achieving those small actions. I cross them out if I need to. You know when you feel really good when you make a list and you cross things off the list that you've done? Oh. <laughs> or if you've already done the list, you still write it down and go and cross it off. Yeah, just so you can cross it out, yes, with a different coloured pen, yes. 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 Or maybe even a highlighter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so the the list should not be the list should not be average BA one C of six point you know five point five. Um, the list should be yeah. take take my next insulin dose. Test test myself in yeah. twenty test myself in twenty minutes. Go for a small yeah. walk. That's what the list should be. Tiny yeah. tiny tiny exercises. And so scaling my yeah. thoughts down to the next best thing. What is the next best thing that I need to do? Not big, just small. And that that really, really worked for me. And real, uh, that, that helps, that approach has helped me a lot. You know, I've actually, you've given me a thought and I've never said this out loud before. It's really about time chunking the day. So say you wake up and your sugars are high and yeah, you don't want to go to work or you've got heaps to do and you're just feeling completely overwhelmed and to be quite honest, depressed. Yes. Just take a huge step back and just look at the next 20 minutes. How can yes. I get through the next, what yes. can I do in the next 20 minutes? What can I do to make myself feel okay right now? Now, right now, baby steps. Um, I'm all about these baby yes. steps. Pretty much in every single podcast, I've always I keep bringing up how I changed my life was I just went for a 10 minute walk every single day around the block because I was so fearful of going low. And you know, in hindsight, if you'd told me that advice, say. 19 years ago there's just no way I would have believed a 10 minute walk would could change my life but it did and I committed to it it's just baby steps and then time chunking okay the everything feels so overwhelming what can I do in the next 30 minutes to to make some kind of progress forward but just little baby steps like in the next 30 minutes we're not going to get our a1c down to 5.5 no, <laughs> you know, but I can do. No. Can, can I let you yeah. in on a on a Mel? I love the time chucking. That is a great way of looking at it. And can I let you in on a little secret? I never think about. Oh. I don't. Ha I don't have a goal for my HbA1c. Maybe in yep. the future I will, but I I I, I just don't have it. I have a goal yes. of being in range today. That's it. That's my goal. And that. Well, you know what, though? Ultimately, that will give you the, a great A1C. And you're so right. The whole thing is you, we all sort of can go for an A1C that is just possibly a little unrealistic. 
for the time we're at in our life and it just becomes overwhelming and we give a hop this is the thing it's and then you go to see your endocrinologist or diabetes educator and you know you know the range you're meant to be in and it just it's like again you wake up in the morning the whole day is ahead of you you look at that a1c it's like the whole next three months is ahead of you how on earth am I going to get it down into that and I just, I love the yes. advice, what you've just said. Look at the time in range for the day. That is a great goal yes. to achieve or yes. go after. Because yeah. that's right. Because when you have this giant goal, you it, it becomes so hard to achieve. And every little thing that happens, you, you beat yourself up. I'm never going to do it. Yes. It's not going to happen. Have Don't have one giant goal. Have, have a lot of tiny little ones yeah my goal is to drink is in the next 20 minutes because I've been high I'm going to drink a liter of water because I know that'll make me feel better right now yes yes and then for me put the music on for you go out in the backyard just embrace yourself in the nature do just baby steps anyone that's right exactly (laughs) baby steps (laughs) and the the last little the last little tip so that that that's been a massive learning for me and and the other the other one you know I mentioned earlier about get on your own team mm. it's also get people on your team and I just oh, not I mean I, I certainly tried to not look back and have 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 regrets or feel bad because it you know it's it's all a bit pointless but I only view it in a way now of of trying to help other people I just spent so long completely isolated and not talking to anyone or you know joining into the community so long and this idea of getting people on your on your team it is just my whole world has opened up by actually just meeting people, putting myself out there, joining the community. And one really interesting thing I've noticed because I wear a freestyle Libra and, you know, like having a bit of trouble with sites and scar tissue and everything. So I'm moving it around and it's summer here in Australia. And I, uh, so you can see it quite Mm -hmm. often. And over the last month, I have had two people join my community sorry that sounds a bit yeah. uh, uh ridiculous but become friends yeah. because they've noticed my libra and started a conversation and oh my goodness and it's like wow so that that tiny bit of vulnerability of of putting that out yeah. there has just yeah opened up meeting more people and that that building my team it's yeah massive Instagram thank you Instagram because if it wasn't for Instagram you and I would have never met and you're so right it's just not feeling alone and yeah for the first 19 years yeah I went to the high school of 2,000 students and I'm the only one with type 1 and I this was back with syringes and so it is oh you do you feel so alone and it's so liberating to know even though maybe personality wise you you won't get on with every single type one diabetic, but at the end of the day, you have to embrace each other because you are the only two that understand what a three a.m. hypo really feels like and what. <laughs> what that's exactly right. Up with high that's sugars. exactly yeah, right. I mean, this underlying love yes, for each other. Yes, it's just like 
<laughs> it's like anything in life. You are not going to get on with everyone just because you both have T1D. Yes. Plenty of fish in the sea. Keep going until you connect with some, with someone. There is so many people. You, you will find the people that you click with in the T1D community. Absolutely. Oh, DJ, lots of pearls of wisdom today. I appreciate you taking the time to record oh, yes. this. You are a legend. I'm so grateful we have met and, yeah. Oh, me too. It's my pleasure. Fantastic, DJ. Well, you have a great day and I have a feeling this will not be our last podcast together. Yes, cocktail hour next yeah, time. I yes. think so. Maybe maybe we could be brave and even record that one as well, do a video and a podcast. Oh, what a good idea. Yes. <laughs> oh, DJ, love you heaps, girl. Have a great day and I'll talk soon. Love you too, Mel. Thank you. Bye.